Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. This is Cindy Croft, Executive Director of the Center, and I'm here with my colleague, Priscilla Weigel, my Assistant Director. Hi, Priscilla. Hi, Cindy. And we are doing another a podcast with Gina Gibson, the Occupational Therapist at Fraser in Minnesota. So uh, welcome, Gina. Yeah, thanks for having me. And so I'm sure our listeners who were in listened to the first podcast are excited to hear more information about your role as the Occupational Therapist with children in, and with child care and parents, um, and particularly as we talk about sensory processing, um, as a it's it's such a um, it, people have heard the phrase and they've probably seen different sensory issues in children, but there's still so much that we don't know about it. And in child care, there's so much that can be done environmentally to help kids be more successful. So I think people are looking for lots of answers. So we wanted you today to talk about sort of what you know about sensory processing disorder uh, and, and sort of what your field, how your field sees it. and just help us understand it better. Yeah, so sensory processing is definitely a a tricky topic because it's something that's so different for everyone. So when you think about sensory processing, that's something that we all do at all points of our day. So when sensory processing is working well, it kind of happens unconsciously. Your body takes in this information from the environment, processes it, and decides which information we should respond to, which information isn't really important and we can ignore, so then we we know how to respond without even really having to think about it. So that when you hear a loud sound, maybe it's a siren or, or something that's trying to get your attention, you can turn and look, figure out where that sound is coming from, decide if that message is for you, and then how to respond. When sensory processing isn't working so well, there tends to be kind of a traffic jam from when the body receives that message to when the body responds to that message. So if there might be a siren or something that's far away and you turn and you look and all of a sudden you perceive that as being a threat to you or something that sends you into that fight or flight mode and you might scream, you might cover your ears, you might need to run away and hide even though that sound to the rest of the world wouldn't be that challenging. So it's that difficulty in responding to the information that the environment is giving you. Oh, that is a great explanation. Yeah, that's wonderful. Because you think of small children who don't can't articulate mm-hmm. what's going on inside of them emotionally or physically, and to be able to help providers who are listening to note those kind of reactions can happen when there is that jam up in that processing and yeah. oh that was really a nice visual I'm picturing the sirens mm-hmm. I'm picturing you know that your body turning that's really going to be helpful to folks to know to have that that's great um, so when you think of some of those things that um, 
need that we need that processing. When you think of an early childhood classroom, mm-hmm. a child care facility, what are some things that might be bombarding a child who does have difficulty with sensory? Uh, you know, what are what are things that could create a really challenging day? Right. So if you are walking into that classroom or whatever type of room that you are in, and if there are bright colored decorations and signs on the wall, and maybe there's brightly colored carpet and then there might also be fluorescent lighting which adds in components of both really bright light and a lot of kids can pick up a little bit of a buzzing sound that's really hard for them to tune out. Um, It might be kids who are moving really fast in all these different directions and it's really hard for children to predict how other children are going to be responding to things and moving around and and you might need to stand closer to people than you might like and they might brush past you and touch you really lightly which Mm is um, an alerting type of touch that can send you into that fight or flight mode and I think it's interesting to point out that one piece of sensory input at one point in the day could have very different responses kind of based on what else has been happening in that day. So there's sort of a threshold for how much kids can handle. So if it's been a relatively easy day, they've had a lot of like good positive sensory input and they hear that one loud sound or they get that one light touch, they might not like it. They might kind of retreat a little bit, but then they can probably move on. But if it's been a day where they've been exposed to a bunch of new environments that kind of increased that anxiety level and and there have been a lot of those unknowns and they've had a hard time understanding then that same light touch or that same sound could result in a big sensory overload meltdown because of everything that else that came along with it. Hmm. So how do you help kids be prepared? What are some things that you do in your time with them and how can we help our listeners to note some of those behaviors or those those triggers for the child to be trying to tell us, I need more or I need less. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do we do as adults yeah, in that world? I think a lot of it's recognizing the the signs that a child is starting to escalate and being able to provide some of those sensory supports before it turns into that full meltdown. Or even if they're not showing signs of escalation, if you just take some sensory or motor breaks or if you can anticipate that something is going to be a little challenging and provide them with some nice calming input before you even think about moving to that next step, those can all be some proactive ways to kind of help avoid some of those really tricky meltdowns because Mm -hmm. kind of once you get to that point of no return, then it's hard to pull back in. So um, motor brakes are a really good way to sneak in some nice heavy work and deep pressure activities. Um, Some kids have specific sensory tools that are helpful, like a chewy, a weighted vest, a weighted blanket, so whatever is going to be helpful for that child, Mm -hmm. or things like if you know you're going to be going somewhere that's going to be loud, if your child has noise-canceling headphones or something like that that's helpful and calming to them. 
having those ready ahead of time before you need them yeah. is going to be more helpful than trying to react once you've already had that sensory overload. That's wonderful. So one of the, uh, our we have a coaching support program at, through our organization, and one of the coaches was working with a family child care provider who had a child in her care who was every day at kind of the same time after watching this process was escalating to that point. And so she and the coach worked together to develop this plan of doing some heavy work in before, you know, kind of in between different parts of the day. And so one day the coach arrived to the setting and the, the child was carrying a bag of apples just from one part of the kitchen to another and then the provider would hand her something else. So it was really not this really involved extra you know, equipment needed intervention, but what it did is it just provided that input for that child to be able to say, okay, I can make it a little bit longer till we go outside and play. And so that was just one of those little things that you're describing, I think, is just thinking through what would help this child and what are the, what are the tools that they need. Some of them from an occupational therapist that would have to be a diagnosis and they'd have to be um, signed off by you or someone else who is uh, allowed for those, so those weighted materials. But there are other things that we can do by, you know, wrapping up in a tight blanket of Lycra and helping the child pull that tightly or just having those noise-canceling headphones in the basket so that kids can access those. So. Yeah, something as simple as sometimes we'll, we'll make a little joke that the room is feeling small, so we need a child to come with us and help us push on the walls to yeah. make it bigger. So, yeah, it really doesn't need to take equipment. Um, it can. That equipment can be helpful, but there are lots of ways to improvise with just your own body to give that deep pressure input that can be so calming and helpful. Yeah. That's great and I think that's a good way to close Gina with that that wonderful tip. Um, so glad that you could be with us again. We're going to hopefully do um, an, a couple more in this series on um, both occupational therapy and uh, emphasizing sensory processing. So thank you so much for being with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks. That's all for now. See you next time.